Welcome to Indie Insider, the weekly show where we chat with video game industry professionals about their projects, their stories, their advice to others, and of course, their thoughts on everything indie. I'm your host, Logan Schultz, and today on the show I sit down with Danny Baranowski, the composer of indie video game soundtracks such as Super Meat Boy, The Binding of Isaac, and Crypt of the Necrodancer. The two of us chat about his journey from his parents' basement to hiring his own manager, the importance of learning how to develop a contract, his dog Yoshi, and his advice for other aspiring video game artists. Before we get to the interview, however, a couple of quick notes. This show is presented by Blackshell Media, a publishing and marketing firm working to help indie developers reach their goals and new audiences. The company also strives to offer unique, inspiring, and even educational services for developers, publishers, and gamers alike, which is why we get to bring this show to you. Speaking of which, be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast services across the internet. And please leave a review. If you'd like to be a part of the show and share your thoughts, questions, or even request a professional to bring on the podcast, send me an email at logan at blackshowmedia.com. You can also find the most up-to-date news on the Indie Insider podcast by following on Twitter, at Logan A. Schultz. That's L-O-G-A-N-A. S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. Finally, special thanks to Danny for joining us on the show, Patrick McDermott for helping coordinate this episode, and Benjamin Tiso over at bensound.com for allowing us to use his song, Going Higher, in the show. And now, video game composer Danny Baranowski. Welcome to Indie Insider Today. I am talking with Danny Baranowski, composer of the soundtracks for probably some of your favorite indie video games. Uh, Danny, how are you doing today? Good, how's it going? I'm doing all right. Nothing too terribly exciting. Um, You, I heard, just ate a chimichanga. How was it? It was beefy. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Good for you, dude. I like it. Yeah, there's not too much Mexican food up in Seattle. Okay, so you're based out of Seattle, right? Yeah, I'm from yeah. Phoenix, though, where there's, like, real Mexican food. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you and I are talking, um, I guess, afternoon on a Friday. Uh, how's your week been? What does a week look like for Danny Baranowski right now? Um, <laughs> Just writing music and playing video games, pretty much. You know, living the dream. So do you get a lot of time to play games, then? Yeah. I mean, right now, it just kind of, you know, it's there's a lot of hurry up and wait. You know, when you're, uh, you know, you got, hey, here's this game. We need 40 minutes of music by this time. Do it. Uh, and then kind of ebb and flow. And so the kind of an, which is the which is the less intense one, the ebb or the flow. I'm in one of those. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So you are a video game composer, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you identify yourself, your title. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, composer and video games are kind of the focus right now. Yeah. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Tell me your superhero origin story. Where do you come from? How did you end up working in this industry and doing this job? Um, I guess the shortest version is, you know, I would, was into music and video games my whole life in okay. kind of equal measures. And uh, around the turn of the millennium, uh, I was about 16, 17, I uh, started doing remixes for Overclocked Remix, which is a fan site. You know how uh, you know a lot of us 
got on Kazaa back in the day and downloaded, you know, Final Fantasy Techno Remix. And sure. I think one of them had, you know, ocremix.org on it, and I went there. Uh, started doing remixes of just games, Perfect Dark, um, Final Fantasy, you know, all the greats. And kind of, uh, you know, seven years later, eight years later, uh, through a weird convoluted process, I met uh, Adam Atomic, Adam Saltzman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we made Cannabalt and on uh, iPhone, right? At, you know, that was right when the App Store was coming around. And right, right, right. Of course. Somehow it made money to live <laughs> off of. And, uh, you know, that kind of just led to other things. So that's like the, the quick and dirty version. But yeah. So where does your interest in music come from? Is that something you've kind of done your entire life? Yeah, you know, um, it's a good question. Uh, it's just video games. I, I definitely think I had uh, an uh, outsized interest in video games before music. Okay. Because, like, my first memory, my first memory I can remember is in our old house in Mesa. I must have been, I had to be three or four years old, uh, and it was playing Super Mario Brothers uh, on a black and white TV with my older brother. Excellent. Um, I and then there was also I remember he played Simon's Quest a lot, and I do remember the music for that. Um, uh, okay. So, you know, and then there was just from an early age, it's just like I would listen to music, um, and I was always super interested in, in in like, okay, so the song's going along, going along, going along, and then this little thing happens, and now I feel feelings. Like, what happened there? Like, what <laughs> what is that? And so, like, my first. Like thought my first foray was because like you know it, it's it's I'm gonna be a composer for a living is not something that most I think most people think of right like sure. even even before a couple of years before doing music for games for a living I never really thought it was an option you know it's just definitely before indie games all that kind of stuff um, but the first like extended interest I had in in music was like I want to be a music psychologist I just want to understand those little chord changes and stuff why do they make me feel feelings i want to understand that <laughs> and it's just kind of weird because then i took music theory and it's just like well you know can i swear oh yeah go to town i say fuck it i'll just write music <laughs> all right so then you said you kind of you started taking classes was there anything that you wanted to do before you kind of realized that composing for video games could be a career or could make you money as far as like what i wanted what i tried to do before or I guess were you? Did you feel pushed in a different direction? Like life was pushing you in a different direction, and then you discovered this. Or, or what? What was that journey like? It was not really. I, 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 I'm very fortunate to have super badass parents who are very supportive of kind of anything. My mom's a super hippie. My dad's super laid back. <laughs> like no, I was. I you know I had a very stable family life. I was very, very fortunate. But when I went to college, <clears throat> I thought, okay, I'm going to college. I got to have a major so i'm like hey i you know i love computers i you know i had been built i built my first computer when i was like 12 mm-hmm. so i'm gonna do that because that's where all the money is you know and computers are never gonna like computers aren't a fad so uh i went to community college in the first semester and i took calculus and i said fuck this i'm not doing computer science anymore uh because i got like a <clears throat> i took calculus and like you know I'm a, I'm a fairly nerdy person like the idea of calculus and math and stuff is like interesting to me but like having to do it it just it was not 
fun, you know? And yeah. it's like, it, yeah. in, in retrospect, right, it was like a terrible decision because it's like, if you just only do what's fun, you're not going to, you know, it, it. sometimes you got to do what's not fun. But basically, after that semester, I said, okay, I'm just going to take all the music classes I can. And that's what I did. For four years, I went to Mesa Community College, took all the music classes I could, didn't even graduate. Uh, there was a mistake, I guess you could say, where... Uh, I passed out of Electronic Music 1 into Electronic Music 2, and because I didn't pay for the Electronic Music 1 credit within a certain amount of time, I didn't get credit for it, so I didn't get to graduate. So for me to get an associate's degree from uh, Mesa Community College, I would have to go back and take Electronic Music 1. Oh, wow. So that'd be, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Does that feel a little redundant to you at this point? Like, is that something you would ever do? Yeah, I mean, no one's ever, like, asked for my associate's degree <laughs> credentials in liberal arts sure fair enough so then you you kind of finished this or didn't finish your degree but then when does your connection with adam atomic come about when does cannonball happen in the timeline so see i graduate uh, graduated high school in 2002 and so college would have been three four five six um i believe i met adam in 2007 2008 Okay. Because Cannonball came out in 2009, uh, and there was just a bit of, um, you know, he had sent me little prototypes and stuff, and I made little ditties and everything, nothing real serious. Uh, sure. But, yeah, it, 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 it happened fast. You know, we did uh, a game called Gravity Hook, and then another one called, uh, God, I can't even remember. Um, I'm so old now. Um, <laughs> uh, we did a game called Dr. Dobbs Challenge for, like, Microsoft um, Gravity Hook. Oh, right. He's gonna kill me for not knowing the other one. Uh, but any oh, Fathom the uh, Gravity Hook Fathom, which were just little like flash games. And <clears throat> excuse me, this was back when <clears throat> people thought that you know to make money on games, you put them on Flash and put ads on them, right? Like that's sure that's how that's right. how long ago this was now. And <laughs> and um, so you know, I we we made a little bit of money off of that, and then you know, Cannibal, we did the same kind of thing, got some donations, whatever. Um, but yeah, then we, once he once he put it on, on the iPhone, uh, it's it's really just like that's the ignition point, absolutely. Okay. You know? So tell me a little bit more about what that process was like. I mean, when you started doing your first couple of games, uh, how do you go about composing music for a video game? Um, you know, I'm not I'm not good at answering this question. I think because I'm not really like a um, I'm not like a wordsmith, right? Like my uh, uh, passion and my interest is in like making sounds that make people feel feelings. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> so I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever. I'm definitely never going to be a person to like write a book about this, right? And so okay. forgive me. Forgive me if this is a nonsensical answer. But the best I can do is, uh, um, you have. I, I do think that for you to write good video game music, you have to understand what video how video game music works and what it does and you know th there's a lot of that that's just time just playing lots and lots and lots of games and getting a sense for how the music contributes to what's going on mm -hmm. um the most important specific component i think is the rhythm right because every game most games have like a rhythm i mean if it's a turn-based <clears throat> kind of asynchronous you know, pause whenever kind of game, that's one thing, but like platformers, action games, all these kinds of, they have a rhythm, 
right? Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm a drummer, and so I think for me that that was a little bit probably easier than most. I mean, there's other challenges presented because I took me a long time to catch up on, <clears throat> you know, writing melodies, writing chord progressions, that kind of stuff. But like, just considering those kind of things um, on a deeper level than any rational person would never ever consider. Um, you know, just thinking about it way too much to the point where it just becomes second nature. And that's kind of where I am right now. And that's why it's hard for me to answer is because like, I just kind of do it now. Sure. And, and, you know, I, I do have some like tent poles, uh, that I, that I have in mind to just like keep me, uh, calibrated. But, you know, in general, it's just like, just like anything else, you just do, do it a lot and a lot and. See, I told you it was going to be nonsensical. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, uh, you know, I get to talk to a lot of very talented people on this show. And, uh, you know, that's kind of just oh, an insight into the way artists work, right? Is, you know, you do it over and over, you develop something, you figure out what works for you. And it seems like you found something that works for you, right? Yeah, I think like, <clears throat> sorry, excuse, this enchilada is just killing me. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I just, so for me... Whenever I hear people talk or write about, whenever I see people give a practical answer to like, how do you write a melody? It's nonsense to me. And that's not, it's not like a dig against them because there are people who think about music a lot different than me. And I don't want to diminish that because I do admire a lot of people who think about it more like scholastically, academically, you know, this, this, this chord goes to this, all that kind of stuff. And I do have a music theory background that I do, you know, utilize in kind of a subconscious way i don't really ever map things out but i guess what i'm saying is that like it's it's music especially is is not is is one of the least concrete forms of art in my opinion like even if you're putting paint on a uh, canvas like you can see it you can touch it right you Mm -hmm. can't touch music you can't see it you get all this kind of stuff and it's specifically has to do with just like triggering of emotions and stuff. So I almost kind of think that like for me on the creative process, if you can't bring like, which is so weird because I'm a super like logical science empirical based, you know, objectivist person. Okay. But I don't think any of that benefits writing music uh, because it's all just gooey, squishy feelings. And the, the the technical stuff, absolutely. You know, I, I do, my job is half audio engineer, half composer. Um, I've begun to admit over time that I'm less of an audio engineer and more of a composer. And so I'm starting to be okay with bringing people in to kind of help me with that. But as far as the actual thing itself, like how do you make this thing? Like, you know, in, in, in any field, I don't know how the other fields work, but like for me, it's like any answer other than just like do it a lot never stop learning, do it, do it, do it a lot. And then you'll just get better and you'll understand. Like, I don't, I don't think there's, for me, there's any better real uh, advice because I've never like, just to kind of loop around what I was saying, if when people write stuff like, Oh, here's how you write a melody, you do this, 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 this. It's never just like, well, that's, that's one like situation. That's one like rubric you can apply, but it's just like, I don't ever, it's never, uh, what's the word? It's never uh, applicable for me, I guess. Okay. Um, so if, you know, don't, but don't take it from me. Like if you, if you have a different brain than me, I'm sure that writing music can be done completely different. So 
It sounds like a, a bit of a, an expansion upon the practice makes perfect idea, right? Uh, yeah. And, and almost an experimentation of sorts to figure out what works. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, when, when, you know, people ask me how I do it and it's just like, I mean, I have been, I've been writing music for God, how old am I? Uh, you know, technically the first thing I ever wrote was when I was like eight years old playing with cakewalk on my mom's computer, but I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really dive into it until I was in like high school, which was like 15, 16. And that's an unreasonable amount of years ago now. So <laughs> yeah, you, you do it for 15, 20, anything. Right. Like the, the whole Bob Ross thing, like uh, uh, talent is a practiced interest. And the one thing, you know, I tried programming, put my fist through a wall. I tried Photoshop, put my fist through another wall. We had a lot of wall problems. Uh, uh, <laughs> but music was the one where it's just like these problems that I have to overcome and solve were always interesting to me. And still they are like it's a different relationship now. You know, it's like when you're married to someone, I guess, for like 20 years, like you still love them, but it's like a different kind of thing. And I think it's similar with any artistic kind of thing. Like, I, I, I don't feel like I learn as much because I feel like there's diminishing returns as you, you know, move up. Obviously, you're going to learn quite a bit more in the first month of music making than like 20 years down the line. But um, it's still interesting to me. And I, I actually that's I, I was actually talking to somebody about this the other night and like. They asked me for my advice, and, and the thing is, the, the most important thing is you need to make sure that you're interested in it, all right? Because there are certainly times where people will say, I have definitely said, like, I really want to learn how to do this. I really want to do this. Sure. And then I try to do it, and it's just I cannot get myself to focus on it and come back to it because I don't yeah. give a shit. Like, I would love to be able to draw. And I spent one day drawing, like, for, like, four hours, I drew a portrait of Captain Picard because why not? Sure, why not? And it was fun. It was cool. But it's just, I never want to do that again. And, like, <laughs> I just, so that's what I'm saying. Whereas, like, is the other thing where, like, you know, when I was a kid and I made a, you know, techno remix of Perfect Dark or Final Fantasy, it's like, I want to do that again. So I actually think that's, that's, that's the cart that should be before the horse is, are you actually interested enough to do this? Because nobody's going to be a master in two years. It's going to take your whole life. And now I know, 15, 20 years later, yes, I'm totally fine doing this for the rest of my life. You know, maybe I'll jump into other things. I'm doing a little bit of game design and, you know, other stuff. But, like, I, I'm okay with doing this forever. And that's the most important thing. Good for you. Seriously, good for you to figure that out, you know, 20 years into your career. Why not? Yeah, right? I, I, I was really lucky when I was 16. Uh, you know, I, 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 even though I said that, you know, I, I was going to do computer uh, science or whatever in, in college, like mm -hmm. there was just, there was pretty early on, it was just like, I want to pay the rent with my rock, right? I want to, that's what I want to do. I want to do music for a living. And I knew it early on. And like, when I hear people in college who still don't know what they want to do, like, man, I feel, I feel so bad for them. Cause I just, I, I did. Um, yeah. And that's, I know that's a, it's a very lucky thing to happen. Well, take me back a little bit, uh, and I want to keep digging on this story. So, Cannabalt comes out. You said that that was the first time you, you know, you were making money off of a project like that, uh, enough to pay rent, right? What was that experience like the first time you made a legitimate amount of money off of composing for a video game? Uh, so, it's kind of funny because I was unemployed, living with my parents, and like a month or two before 
kind of all came out, my dad sat me down. He was like, hey, you know, I know you're having a rough time or whatever, but uh, you need to start pitching in, that kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, I saw the rumblings of what I was doing Adam and stuff and hoping it would go somewhere. And I'm just like, well, I got this music thing. It's going to pan out. And he's like, Danny, music's just a hobby. And I got so mad. And <laughs> I just, I was so mad. And I, you know, screw you, dad. I'm moving out. Well, no, I'm not because I don't have any money. But uh, like in any other, in most situations, that's totally practical advice, right? Like you need to get a job, dude. Like, but what happened was a couple months down the line, uh, Cannibal came out and I got a check for $10,000. I showed my dad the check and I'm just like, some hobby, huh? And so that's like, <laughs> it's been a joke in my family like ever since, right? And so um, it was it was very abrupt, right? Because I had been doing these things that were bringing in a few hundred dollars here and there and I just, I was totally broke. And so it was really exciting and stuff, but it was just like, it was getting to the point where I did have, have to consider, you know, I was probably 24, 25, you mm-hmm. know, and if you're 24, 25, you got the failure to launch, you're thinking everything's, you know, thinking you're a failure, that kind of stuff. Like I, I learned very strongly the idea that like, it's never too late. Right. Like, especially like it's so, it's so absurd to me thinking now, like a 25 year old being like, I'm washed up. Nothing's ever going to work. Dude, you're 25. You're a baby. Like <laughs> you like, I know you can drink and stuff and like rent a car, but like you're still a baby and you don't know anything. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was very abrupt and very, uh, it's still, I still feel like, you know, six, seven years later, eight years later, that I'm just on this trajectory that was launched by that event. And I'm still just kind of like holding on. Uh, and it's cool. But that's just, that's what it's felt like to me. And it still feels like that. Um, and I hope it never stops because it's really fun to be launched <laughs> out of a cannon. Uh, well, you've continued to work on bigger and bigger projects since then i mean uh some of my personal favorites have been you know super meat boy uh and binding of isaac has been huge um tell me a little bit about what that trajectory has been like over the past however many years um i mean it's all getting kind of blurry because my brain's dying as i age uh but like (laughs) uh uh it's it's yeah it's after cannibal it was uh meat boy uh, and then, you know, when I went to GDC the first time, uh, like a bunch of people already knew who I was and that was really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was, which was strange cause I'm definitely the kind of person that loves to be the center of attention. And so <laughs> that really made me happy. Uh, you know, we were up for the IGF award and then, you, you know, so just starting out there again, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I have to stress like how fortunate I am in so many ways to have to that be like the start. Like I never went to a GDC and had to like try to get people to talk to me right like it's that it, sounds like it sounds like boastful and weird and stuff but it's just it's 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 yeah i think it's i think it's uh important to recognize that like the the the, the role that luck does play in this and i think anyone who's really honest about this stuff has to agree with you know you work hard you do all this kind of stuff but like um but anyway so after that you know we we then um we did Binding of Isaac, and again, it was, you know, I, I was a little, every single time I would do one of these games, it's like, okay, well, this is, is this the peak? Is this it? Does everything just go downhill from here? And it's, you know, then after Isaac, it was uh, uh, a lot of smaller side stuff, uh, and then we did desktop, I did desktop dungeons with uh, Grant Kirkhope. Oh, yeah. Yep. Who, uh, 
is one of my childhood heroes and now he's like one of my best friends and it's weird and he's you know he's he's the perfect example of like meeting your heroes and having them be awesome um he's actually going to be one of my groomsmen in my wedding and that's fucking bizarre that's awesome right it's like <laughs> like it's bizarre man it's like it's like being a guitar player and like Jimi Hendrix is going to be your groomsman. Like it's it's. <laughs> I used to leave his music on in his, on the games and like in my room on my CRT TV when I was a kid. And now we like make fart jokes at each other. Like it's, <laughs> um, that's incredible. So that I mean that's been a really interesting part of the whole trajectory too. Is just uh, meeting heroes and like meeting people who dig, do games make games and game music that I just absolutely love and they're just normal people and they're just like your colleagues and it's yeah I mean that's that's it blows my mind every day it's another thing I hope never goes away like I was a little early on I was a little I don't know if ashamed is the right word but it's just like I would meet people and I would be super excited and I'm like oh no man you gotta be cool you gotta tamp that down man you know hitting the game bro and but like <laughs> no way no like this is this is who I am and and uh you know, if I'm ever not that excited about meeting, meeting these people, like, I don't even want to do it. Like, cause like, what's the point if you're going to like, you know what I mean? I, I just, I try not to take it too seriously, I guess is the point. Sure. Um, but to get off that tangent and go back, uh, then, uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel bad cause I can't always name all the games I've done, which is probably a good problem to have. That's a great problem to have. I think I mean, you've you've done a lot. It's incredible. So yeah. good for you. But then it kind of ended, in, uh, you know, well, not ended, but most recently was Necrodancer, and we did correct right. We released the the DLC recently, and that's been you know super successful. And and now I'm more. Uh, I have a manager now, as you talked to. Uh, yes, Patrick McDermott is your yep. manager. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and he was great. It was great to talk to. Yeah, he's a good man. Um, we're coming up on our year anniversary in there uh, <laughs> but um and that so it's it's just kind of weird like i guess talking about the trajectory and how things go like things are always changing right like i never even until recently i never thought i would like actually have a manager because it just seems so like superfluous uh but i kind of recognized a weakness in myself that i just can't i i'm not good at staying focused and on task and stuff and I, it's a miracle that i've made it this far without a manager but like <laughs> Now that I do, you know, it's it, it's it's financially justified for me to have somebody work for me if they, you know, it's a no-brainer if they make you more money than they cost, right? Sure. And just his ability to just like manage projects and curate projects for me and 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 all that kind of stuff, he's definitely made me more money than he costs. Uh, pushing me more into the traditional musician stuff of releasing albums, like we're really we're releasing a double LP vinyl of uh, Necrodancer very soon and merch there's gonna be merch <laughs> for Danny B and like that's always it's such a weird thing is it's like who the fuck wants to buy a shirt with my face on it well I guess like people do because it's gonna be an option uh, <laughs> you sound so excited about it that's great. I mean I have to be because otherwise I feel like an egotistical asshole like it's cause it's so it's so absurd right like who like who would ever like just it just seems so like 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 non sequitur, like a, like like a like a caricature of an artist to be like, here's a sticker with my name on it. Pay me money, right? But people want it, right? And and I guess we're gonna see. So like that's I guess that's what I'm saying is like now 
definitely over time kind of like I love working for game developers and doing music for their games and being, you know, doing a thing for them basically with my own spin on it. Like it's not my thing. It's like I'm doing a thing for them and that's that's fine. I don't, you know, I don't need to be I just need to be a star. I don't need to be the star. You know what I mean? Uh, sure. So, but making this shift now recently to like, I'm just a musician who like does stuff and like, I'm going to brand myself and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's the stuff I would never do. And I have complete distaste for, but Patrick can navigate it. So yeah, it's, it's just kind of weird. I don't, I don't know where it's going to go. So well, that's kind of my next question. So let's just dive into that. You've mentioned, you know, that you're going to have some merch out. You're going to work on branding yourself a little bit more. You've, you know, got your anniversary with your manager coming up. <laughs> um, what does the future for Danny B look like? I mean, do you have any projects you're working on now? Is there anything, you know, you can talk about or anything you're really excited about besides T-shirts with their face on it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, most of the projects I got lined up are under like NDA or for NDA. So, of course. but, but definitely got stuff lined up. Um, yeah, I think I would really like to get into playing more or any live music, which is something I used to do. I was in bands all through college. I was a drummer and even just playing dive bars in Tempe, Arizona was so much fun. Um, and so getting out there again and getting in front of people playing music, you know, finding a way to do that that's not just a way that's entertaining for people watching which is what's so interesting with all that is that video game music is just there are lots of people who tour playing video game music now yeah the, the nerdcore thing is huge the uh <laughs> yeah you know the edm scene from video game people and just you know magfest is massive uh so doing that um you know at, at this point it's kind of strange because like i always kind of figured like okay i'm gonna make it with this band in college this shitty band and uh <laughs> we're gonna be millionaires and then i'll make video game music because it doesn't matter if i make money or not and now it's kind of like the opposite where it's like well i made money and i have royalties and i'm financially stable because of video games uh now it's time to be a rock star like rockstar is still the goal uh it's just funny because like you know making video game soundtracks is like my day job it's an awesome day job but it's like my day job and so you know touring is going to be like a side thing and if nobody goes to any of my shows, doesn't matter. I still got to, I still got to get in the bus and tour, right? You got so, your day job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the number one focus I got right now. Um, I don't have any plans to ever stop doing video game music because it's just, it's still every time, it's still just, uh, it's the puzzle I like to figure out. Like, hey, here's this turn-based game about a gelatinous uh, Bigfoot who can turn time into candy like make music for that okay like that's my puzzle and that's what i like to do uh and seeing it you know the game come to life and exist in concert with that uh the music is just endlessly fascinating to me and i, I can't imagine it ever not being that way is that a hint about your next project a gelatinous yeah. bigfoot yeah it's for uh it's for the 3do oh sure of course yeah. Of course. That's a, that it. sounds like a moneymaker. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how do you decide what projects you're going to work on? Like, I do, do people reach out to you all the time? Do they reach out to Patrick and say, hey, take a look at my game if you want to be a part of it? You know, what is that like now? Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, just kind of email offers and stuff. And 
you know, as uh, elitist as it sounds, like you kind of got to make sure they're serious. Right, uh, and that, like, you know, I, I like I super appreciate like the students that hit me up and they're just like, hey, I need 60 minutes of music and I have a thousand dollars. And I'm just like, uh, that's you know, that I just I got to I can't do that. Sure. Because I can't drop, you know, three months, four months uh, out of my not not that it's not a worthy project. And I do think doing stuff for free or for for students and stuff is something that would be really fulfilling and cool. But it's like. Um, I guess the way I see it now is I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be all about the money, but what I realized about this job is that the fire could stop burning at any point. Right. And so it's not that you want to just get as much, you know, get your money and fuck you. Right. It's, it's like, I just, I need to prioritize things that make financial sense to where I'm at right now and continuing to save up money and, and shore up my finances that if it ever does dry up, and I do have to go, you know, go back to Circuit City or is Circuit City even around anymore. I used to work in Circuit know. City. It was terrible. Uh, but <laughs> so there's 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 certainly a financial component and it's not something I think people should be ashamed of. You got to even Beethoven had to pay the bills. Right. Um, you know, I remember reading stuff about Beethoven, like taking music and writing music that he hated just because he needed the money. And it's just this is my job. Right. Sure. So. Uh, you know, you, you, and, and it's, it's like that, uh, what's that psychological pyramid of needs or whatever, right? You gotta, you gotta get your, your shelter and your food and all that kind of stuff. And then like, as far as the creative stuff, yeah, that definitely plays into it. Like if I have time for side projects and stuff, it's just, I like, uh, I like doing games that I don't want to say they're just like, well, they don't necessarily have to like reinvent the wheel. Cause I think that's kind of bullshit. Like when I hear people saying that like games or something are just retreading old ground, like I think there's value in that. I think there's value in people doing old ideas in a new way. Like the show, sure. every, everyone's afraid of reboots. Not afraid, but everyone hates reboots. And I think it's awesome. I, I It's like a remix. Like I think there's incredible um, artistic value in taking something that exists and reinterpreting it. You know, I mean, obviously you can get excessive, but like... Battlestar Galactica, the TV show from a few years ago, uh-huh. was amazing, uh, except <laughs> except for the bullshit ending. But um, but like, I guess I'm just saying. I mean, it's, it's, it's I guess it's a very complicated way to say just like if it's an interesting project, I'll be interested in it, right? Sure. Um, yeah, it's another one of those things I'm not going to write a book about. Clearly, <laughs> like, <laughs> no. If I like great. your game, I'll write it. Well, and that's kind of what it comes down to, right? It sounds like you, you know, you've established enough of a career at this point that you can, you know, afford to work on the things you want to work on and, and not work on the things that you don't necessarily want to or that don't inspire you. Right. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, I can't, you know, be more grateful for where I'm at, uh, that I can do that because early on it's like, you know, you're doing, you're doing the gelatinous Bigfoot game because rent's coming. Uh, right. You know, and I'm, I'm lucky. I didn't. I didn't have to do. I can't. I, I can't even like think of like a terrible game that I did music for. Right. Like maybe I did, and I just forgot it. But um, yeah, I think I was pretty uh, lucky that uh, UPS is outside, so my dog's freaking out. I was wondering if that was on my end or yours. No, no, no. that's Yoshi. Your dog's name is Yoshi. Yeah. That's excellent. Because I'm the body, yo. <laughs> excellent. I like it. I approve. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's where I'm at right now. And it's, 
I'm never not going to feel a little bit shitty about like not being able to respond to everybody and do everybody's game and all that kind of stuff just because I'm a big commie at heart, I guess, and I just want everyone to, you know, I just want to do everything for everyone for free, right? And I just like part of a good thing about having a manager is like I'm I'm ready to just give the farm away all the time. I'm ready to just like, oh yeah, you want it cheaper? Sure, you know, because like I I did sales for a few years at different companies, and I just it's fucking awful at it, man, because I hate getting <laughs> I hate making people give me money. It just doesn't feel right at all. So, but it's it's now that I you know now that I have a a fiance and a dog and a and a you know house rent payment and stuff like you gotta just it's good to have someone there to kind of nah dude you gotta you know and what's what's been interesting to me too is that like i was always afraid that like oh if you ask for more money they're gonna be like who does this guy think he is that's that's ridiculous and like 90 percent of the time they're like okay cool and it's like why the fuck was i like neurotic about this shit for 10 years about asking for money when like most of them are just like yeah, I mean, you know, I just threw out a number. I didn't really know what. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, let's get started. Like, what the... What? <laughs> and it's like, it's, a, it's advice I got over and over again, right? You know, make sure you get paid what you're worth. You know, don't be afraid to ask for money, all that kind of stuff. But it's just like, I think it's one of those definite, like, experience things where you're not going to really internalize that until you go through, you know... When I have people, when I see, I, and I don't even really see it, but like if someone was to come to me and say like you charge too much, I'm like, sorry you feel that way, but this guy, this guy, this guy, and this, they're all paying me that. So, I mean, they they think I'm worth that. So, like, no offense, but like, uh, you know, it, it's, and so it's like, and it's not like a shitty thing. I think it's it's just, like I said, I'm a super left wing liberal crazy person, and I. Just thinking about like market pressures makes me want to die, right? <laughs> sure, but like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but it is a thing, right? And it's something we because like you have we, we exist in a capitalist system where your value as an artist uh, <laughs> has to be monetized, and it's terrible. Um, but having somebody to kind of take that bullet for me is real nice. Uh, it's shitty advice. It's like, hey, hey, young guy, starting out in. Uh, or girl starting out in game composing, just get a manager. They'll take care of it. Yeah, it's not really practical. So, but it does sound like you made the choice to find somebody help you address one of your shortcomings, right? Absolutely. You know, and that that's a, that can be a huge thing, right? That's part of you know working with other people, collaborating, being part of a team. Right, and I also one thing that I think is important. I joke around, but what's important is that. Uh, um, I didn't have a manager until to do these things until I knew how to do them myself. So I could do them. I can do them. And I have, you know, since I've had uh, Patrick, I've still negotiated deals. And it's just, it's, it's, it blows my mind how far I've come when I can just negotiate an entire deal in contract terms and it's just comfortable and not weird. Right. And it's just kind of one of those uh, weird ironies that like when I find, I wanted for so long someone to do that for me. And I didn't get one until I knew how to do it. Sure. Um, but I think that's important. You know, it's it's because now when he comes to me with terms or something, I can understand them. And it's absolutely critical. You know, <laughs> I guess what I would say to anybody starting on all this is like, I know you don't want to do the business stuff. <laughs> Most of us don't. You just have to. And it sucks but like, you know, 
learn how to put together a super basic contract. It's better than nothing to just say like, this is what I'm doing. This is how much, this is how much you're paying me. This is when you're paying me all that kind of stuff. Like I was so afraid of contracts for so long and it's just like, it sucks, man. But it's, it's, and again, people told me this for years. I ignored it. I was a special snowflake. I'm going to make amazing music. People are going to take care of me. Right. That's a fucking terrible idea. No, <laughs> Yeah. no, yeah. that's how, that's how record labels like steal millions of dollars from artists. Like, you know, so that's, I mean, that's definitely one of my less favorite things about the whole gig, but you know, once you get over it and once you kind of get a handle on it, it's not as scary as you think it is, you know, and I am definitely, I think developers, when you talk to developers in a way that's like, that, you know, what you want, you know, this is what I want when, even if they, even if they go back and forth, Hey, you know, instead of this percent, it's this percent. When you just come to them and say, yeah, whatever contract's fine, like they're just not only can someone take advantage of you, I think there's also a sense of just like, this guy has no fucking clue what he's doing. Yeah. This is kind of scary that he doesn't even have a contract or an idea what terms he wants. That's a little scary. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's kind of strange the benefits that come out that you don't expect from just having a basic understanding of like business and contract basics. Makes a lot of sense. I appreciate your perspective on that. Good. Yeah. Well, let's shift just a little bit. Uh, you've told me that you actually do get time to play video games, and you still actively play a lot of games. Do you get to spend time you know, analyzing the music of other people in the industry? Do you get to study that a little bit and kind of figure out what's going on you know, out, out in the world? Yeah, not in any really like um, formal sense. But yeah, I mean, I do I, you know, play a lot of games. Um, it's interesting because a lot of my game developer friends don't uh and i think it's because like they're too busy you know you make games all day too busy. it's hard for them to relax and play games for me it's the same thing with music i don't really listen to music outside of games um so as far as as that goes like yeah when i when i play games the music is always a very important factor to me um there are certainly games where the music is not as important i don't think that every game needs to have amazing music or even music at all. I mean, there's examples of games that are incredible without any music at all. Um, and that, I mean, that's because that's what interests me the most is how music interacts with a program, basically a, a interactive set of events and possibilities. Mm -hmm. That's where I prefer to listen to music is within that situation. Sure. Right? Like I, I, if, if I hear game music outside of a game, that's cool, but it's just like, oh, I'm in a spaceship and we just went into an asteroid field and there's this and that just, okay, what, how are you enhancing or, or, or manipulating the mood with the music? That is what interests me more than anything. Um, to, and, and that's primarily the way I consume music. I, I've, I listen to NPR in the car, man. Like I just, <laughs> sure. I, I, it's just, and it's that that's weirded me out for a long time, but I've made kind of peace with it. Uh, it's not that I like hate music or don't like it anymore. I, I love it, but it's just most of my brain power for music is just on coming up with it. So, you know, it just kind of that's just kind of how it happens. I, I, I miss it in, in a way that I think a lot of uh, game developers I've talked to said they miss it you know, that they don't play as many games or whatever. Right. But it's like, I'm okay with it. 
it's I'm at a point in this process where writing music is less fun and more satisfaction. Um, and that's okay. I think it's just part of also getting older. I think those are the kind of emotions you start to get into as you're getting older, right? Like, yeah, that's fair. You're never going to be as excited as you were when you unwrapped your Nintendo 64 when you were 10. It's not going to happen. Oh, Sorry, man. right? Yeah. But you can, you know, when I bought my nephews a Wii U and saw them freak out, that was a great feeling. I'm getting goosebumps right now. Like that, <laughs> That's great. So you, you, you can get kind of those secondary, more long, long form feelings, I think. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at with all that. I'm, I'm sorry if I completely derailed your question. <laughs> no, no, no. This is great. I, I love hearing all of this. So let me ask you this. In the indie video game scene, what do you think about the video game music you're hearing right now? Is anything, you know, really exceptional that you're finding? What do you think is the future of music in indie video games? Oh, that's man. a really, that's a broad question. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, uh, I, mean, I, can, I, can, I can give like the shitty political answer and just say, you know, like everything's great. Everyone's doing great stuff. Um, <laughs> but I actually genuinely think that's, that's very true. Um, I do play a lot of games and I will say that just like, the percentage I would have to tag indie games specifically having great music is probably 80 or 90%. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very rare that it's, first of all, it's rare for a game these days to have bad music just in general. Right. And then secondly, it's extremely rare for music to be so bad that it makes me unable to enjoy the game. That does happen. And it's very unfortunate and I'm not giving you examples. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but no, I mean, and it's, 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 I, I do think that I'm a lot less critical than a lot of my colleagues. And I've had long discussions about people and uh, about this kind of thing. And like the idea of like brutal feedback about, you know, people thinking that, or people saying that, like, if something's bad in the game, you should just absolutely eviscerate it and and bring it out so it can be excised, right? I don't I don't work that way. I'm I'm much more additive in that every time, and it's kind of a joke in my little. Uh, we have like a Discord gaming group, and it's a joke that I like everything, uh, and it's <laughs> it, it's kind of true. But like the way I approach these things is like, God, it makes me sound like I'm trying to be like a fucking hippie commune leader or something but like i look for the good in things and it's not that i don't think i'm like a better person or anything and that i'm like you know more positive and happy than the regular person but just for me to understand how things work it's much more instructive to me to find what is good in a game and know why it's good and then if there's things that don't work obviously you need to recognize them but it's like that's my focal point especially on even on music like when I like something in music, it's like that sound is really cool. That riff is really cool. That kind of stuff, you know, that's always just my, my creative process is always one of, of additive. And you can probably tell because like I pack my music full with way too much shit. And then I have to like try to <laughs> like that's kind of my calling card. It's like put way too much shit in and I try to mix it so you can actually like hear like 10% of it. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, I, I'm I'm not really... I don't really give a lot of 
feedback to people. And when I do, it's just like, this is what I like. Because it's also a thing where it's like, they can get their negative feedback from somebody else. And maybe that's a cop out. And maybe I should be more open to giving people negative feedback. But I don't like discouraging people. I don't like, you know, I don't, if I'm going to give you feedback, I'm not going to make you feel shitty about something. Right. And that's, again, that's totally, I feel like that is a cop out because sometimes you got to tell people this is bad. And if it really comes down to it, I will. But if someone shows me their game, their music or whatever, I'm going to say, hey, these are the things you're doing really good and you should focus on those. Sure. And then they can decide for themselves, you know, what's bad about it. So that's not even like, I don't even have like a fully formed, complete ethos is the word, I guess, on this or or whatever it is, uh, 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 procedure. Sure. Uh, Because, you know, it's, it's, I don't know what the right answer is there, right? Because like, the the art of getting criticism is an art of its own um and i'm not good at that one <laughs> so no that's fair um but but I, I appreciate that you you are somebody that approaches things from a positive perspective right uh i don't know i think that it, it, and just from talking to you for you know what almost 50 minutes now i can already tell you're this you know kind of positive person you want to see the good things and and you can learn from really focusing on the good things and, uh, and, and building upon those. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Yeah. I just, my, my mama raised me to be, you know, don't say anything. And uh, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, all that kind of stuff. And just, you know, again, I don't, I don't think that my like view on this is any more valid than the other one. Right. It's just the one I take. Uh, but like, yeah, I just kind of feel like you can get negative feedback anywhere. Right. Just go to a YouTube video. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, I do think it is a problem sometimes where people don't get enough negative feedback, you know, if, especially if it's something, you know, universally acclaimed or like super popular. Uh, I think it can be stagnating to only get positive feedback. So I do have people that I know will give me shitty negative feedback, right? Uh, and that's that's valuable to me. But I, I just, I kind of think it's, it's more of like a human, um, uh, uh, just common decency thing where it's like, if you're going to give somebody really, really negative feedback, they need to ask you for it and you need to be in a comfortable space with it. Right. Cause like if somebody gives me super negative feedback and they're just kind of some rando and they're being an asshole about it, it's just like, I can try to correct for that all I can, but the human in me is going to push back against that and say, you're wrong because you're an asshole, not because of what you're saying is right or wrong. Right. And so, yeah, I, I do believe strongly in kind of c- trying to correct control for your emotional biases. And if you're going to get negative feedback, you need to get it in a space that you know is not personal. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really solid advice. I think it's good. Thank you. It's a good way to grow. I like it. All right. Danny B., thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, we have reached the end of the episode. And, of course, at the end of every Indie Insider episode, I do ask my guests to share a piece of advice. Now, you've shared a lot already, right? Even if it was about, uh, you know, constructive criticism or learning how to build a contract and, you know, and be a developer and, and also be a bit of a businessman or woman, as you put. But, right. uh, but is there anything else you want to send people home with? It can be, you know, about video game music. It can be about, you know, anything you want. What's some advice you can share? Yeah, I'm really passionate about this one. Um, if you're playing overwatch protect your fucking healer and get on the cart <laughs> i'm a mercy man it sounds like it. i can tell already 
Yeah. yeah pe- people leave me to die. I like to heal people. What do you What do you know? That surprise. The the positive guy that likes everything wants to heal people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keep making stuff. That's my uh, that's my advice. Don't stop. Keep making stuff. That's the only all the people I've talked to who are successful and make cool stuff that I like. The common thread is you just keep doing it. You know, even if for the rest of your life you might not be a millionaire, it might not ever be your job. If you ever want that opportunity to rise, if you ever want to do it, hell, if you just love it, right? Like find out, first find out you're sure you love it. And if you do, don't stop. And it sounds like the most cliched shitty advice because it is, but unfortunately it's true. You just, every single person you see who's successful and stuff just did it for, you know, 99% of the time. You know, Rebecca Black didn't do it for a long time, but you know, <laughs> that's an outlier. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Unless you want to stop. And that's valid too. If you're not interested in it more, stop. But if you if you still love it and you want to do it for, for reals, you can, you can embroider that into a pillow. My rambling <laughs> semi-English diatribe about persistence. That is some solid rambling advice from mm-hmm. Danny Baranowski, video game composer. Uh, and, of course, you, listener, have been listening to the Indie Insider Podcast, uh, the weekly show where I get to chat with awesome people like Danny B. here. That uh, is presented by Blackshell Media, a publishing and marketing firm out there to help indie developers uh, make great games and share them with great audiences. Uh, and, of course, they also have their educational component, which is why I get to bring this podcast to you every single week. Uh, if you want to connect with the show, if you have thoughts, comments, questions, shoot me an email, logan at blackshellmedia.com. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Logan A. Schultz. Danny, if people really want to follow your work, if they want to buy a t-shirt with your face on it, <laughs> how do they find you out on those interwebs? Uh, Danny B. Style on Twitter, uh, D-A-N-N-Y-B-S-T-Y-L-E. And dannybmusic.com is my band camp where you can find pretty much everything I do. Excellent. This has been Indie Insider, and we will see you again next week.